You're listening to Salty Believer Unscripted. This is Salty Believer Unscripted. I'm Josiah Walker. I'm Brian Catherman. Salty Believer Unscripted is a podcast that centers around the Christian journey and the Christian life. And today we have a repeat guest with us today, Mark yeah. from Hebron Baptist Church. Good to be here. Welcome yeah. back, Mark. Thank you. Thank you. Hey. Our listeners think a week has gone by. And they're like, how has he had time to be in Utah for a week? But that's Frequent the, flyer miles. We've yeah. pulled the curtain behind the magic. Anyway, go ahead. I appreciate you coming back so soon. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, today we're going to be continuing our series through the Nine Marks Building Healthy Churches series. Today we're going to be looking at the book Corporate Worship, How the Church Gathers as God's People. This is by Matt Merker. And it's one of the brand new books. It's from 2021 by Crossway. But uh, before we really dive into this book, I want to ask you a question, Mark, I, I didn't ask on the last podcast. You know, we were reviewing the book on missions by Nine Marks last time, and I didn't want to ask this question because we were talking about that book. Are you going to open that Moravian can again? <laughs> no, I just want to oh. know. <laughs> no cans being opened. What's your kind of go-to missions book? Like if someone said, what's the best book on missions, what would you recommend? Because you're working on a doctorate of this Yeah, I mean, this is your expertise. Besides the Bible, what's your go-to? And the Nine Marks book. Yeah, yeah, right. I don't think he said the Nine Marks book. Anyway. Um, I don't know. Like, it it depends on who I'm trying to, like, because, like, I've got a lot of really thick, really good books. Okay, fine. Okay. Speed round. Okay. Okay. Go-to book for the average Joe in the pew. It's either going to be the Nine Marks book or Matthew Ellison's When Everything is Mission. Awesome. Go-to book for the guy who says, I really want to be more missional uh, in my life, either going on mission trips or going in my community somehow. I would say either Piper's... um, To the Nations? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. what I forget the name of the book, but that one's really the good. famous one. The famous like when when missions exist because worship doesn't. Let the nations be glad. Let the nations That's be glad. I, was yeah. like, I could go get Piper, it off Let my the show. nations be glad or um, <clears throat> Platt's radical book probably. Okay, missions well, book for a pastor. Um, maybe. I don't agree with everything in it, but probably Christopher Wright's The Mission of God. I mean, it's pretty thick, but I mean, you're going to get everything in there. I think. Missions book for a guy says, I think I'm called to be a long-term missionary. Okay. Um, maybe The Perspectives book, um, and it's a conglomeration of different articles. I read it by Ralph Winter. Mm-hmm. I would say that's a good one. Okay. Uh, missions book for a guy who thinks he's going to go get a doctorate in mission work. Um, then I'm going to go with like... Uh, Something Hesselgrave. The guy's written a ton. Is that the cross cultural one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I I read it. It's not that book necessarily. That guy. That guy. Just pretty much anything he's written. Yeah. Sweet. Okay, cool. Well, awesome. Well, shifting gears. Sorry. One more. One more to speed run. Book you would not recommend for somebody on missions. Oh, books to avoid. Books books that might. Maybe we shouldn't go there. Yeah, All right, we'll carry on, Josiah. Carry yeah, on, yeah, Josiah. Yeah. Hey, we're talking about corporate worship today. I'm listening. sorry. <laughs> Thirty seconds in, and I've derailed us. But I'm glad I think that'll really help our listeners, and I think yeah, we'll look forward I'm to glad that. To, yeah. But let's talk about corporate worship. Uh, this book by Matt Merker. Did you guys like this book? Well, well, hey, hold on. By the way, uh, Mark is the worship pastor at Hebron Baptist Church. You do worship and missions. So yeah, we yeah, talk yeah, about yeah, missions. Yeah. So you're leading worship. You're doing all that. And you were here doing worship with us. Yeah. So, so you're an expertise in he, both of these He things. does know something about this topic. Awesome. Also, small confession. Josiah, I didn't read the book. Uh, <laughs> did, did you read the book, Mark? I did. I did. Well, praise God. Yeah. 
I didn't read the book either. Well, so here's what happened. We didn't want to waste the opportunity with Mark here to, to Mark, we need you to convince us. This is a new book. We haven't yeah. read it yet. It's thicker, I noticed. Yeah, it's, it's like like a, brand new, isn't it? Like it just came out. Yeah, yeah, our came listeners out. might not even have this book when they bought the set, because this has kind of come out after. That's yeah, what happened. 2021, yeah. 2021, and, and towards the end of 2021, I think, yeah. like in October or yeah, something. Yeah, I had bought it, and it was all, it was just on my shelf. I hadn't gotten around to reading it yet. And it's like 150-something pages, so thicker than the other ones. Yeah. So I hate to admit it but i wanted to talk about the book with you here yeah. plus you have a lot of you have you've gone to a nine marks weekender you read their journal like you're really aware of kind of how nine marks functions right so i thought you'd be i really wanted to talk to you about it i just yeah. couldn't get the book read because you've literally been here for two days I, yeah so <laughs> i thought it was just me and i was just yeah. going to pretend but no, no, all right, no, transparency. It's all right. Safe place. So, so mark why do we need to read this book um i think um and, and honestly i mean actually first what's the book about yeah so let's hit that he says on verse on first on page 25 like my goal yeah i know <laughs> my goal is simple i hope to show that in order to understand corporate worship we must understand the local church so again nine marks yeah. everything through the lens of the local church right which I think is is what what I think makes this book unique. I think everybody, I mean, I've read pretty widely on this topic, and I think everybody else talks about the local church, but they don't they don't just talk about the local or church. depend on right because everybody wants to kind of go to Romans or to Romans twelve, you know, uh, live your life as a living sacrifice. They were talking about worship in these general terms, and I appreciated that Merker got to the nitty gritty of what everybody actually really wants to talk about. They okay. want to talk about Sunday morning. They want to talk about nice. that. Nice. And so I think in that sense, it's one of the best books on the subject I've actually read. So It's one of the best books I on would the say, subject you've actually read. Yes, I would, I would and say. And it's a shorter one then. Well, because so I honestly, I kind shorter of expected to ones. skim it because I've read so much on the topic. And I found myself stopping a lot because I was like, wow, that's not necessarily new. But it's it's he's saying it in a way that... I've not heard a lot of people talk about it in these terms. Not heard like you're a worship leader, or is this good for the, the church? I think the church, yeah. actually, because this is a topic that's so controversial, less so now than it was 10 years ago. But I think this will really help people wrap their minds around what we're supposed to be doing, right. specifically in that moment when we're singing. So, okay. Because that was my question, because I'm not on the worship team. Yeah, so yeah. is this just about yes, like Yes, you are. Yes, you, you're you in the room. You're well, in the not, choir. Yes, you're in the biggest choir. I'm yeah. not on the tambourine, I'll tell you that much. But is it about just musical worship, or is it about the Sunday service as I a whole? I think he's talking about the Sunday service as a whole, but he's talking about it different ways. So he's not talking about, like, if if like if you want to, like, the more nuts and bolts of, like, the musical side, there's tons of books on that. My favorite, Bob Coughlin, um, worship, worship Matters. Worship Matters, yeah. my favorite book on the subject. But... Like, but that's strictly music, worship, nuts and bolts. He's talking about how is it that we think about worship in terms of what we're doing together. As a church. As a church, which I think is hugely relevant, especially now in the midst of live streaming and people not, you know, some of the folks, I think mostly people are coming back but after COVID. But like understanding that this is something, he says on, on one page, that worship is not something that can be anonymous. Oh, and I right. thought that was really helpful. I don't know that he had COVID in view. But we need to realize this is something we do together. It's not something just between me and God. Go ahead. Well, no, I mean, that that's the big question for me, right? Because we're recording this in the spring of 2022. You know, we're coming out of, of COVID and stuff. And, and I have just the question, I don't know what Matt's take on this is. I kind of like to hear your take, Mark. But, you know, there are a lot of people that really got used to watching online, right? They, yeah. they the, love just live streaming. They're in their pajamas. Can you worship from home by you, yourself that on was your couch? Say, I was just going to ask, is... 
Are we missing? Is something? that worship? It feels like we're missing well, something. Well, not in the sense that he's talking about. So, like, I mean, we have to, sometimes we do have to think about in Romans twelve sense of the word, like life is worship, right? But it's not fulfilling that. Let's not neglect meeting together. Yeah. Peace. Hebrews right. ten, right? So, and I found the page. So, page forty talks. That there's a subline where he says, "Corporate worship must never be anonymous." Mm. And he gives a really, really good example on the opposing page on page 41, and I put a big giant exclamation point on it. He says, across the room, I saw my friend Jeremy. Though he was singing to God, he was doing so in a way that made it seem like he was also singing at me and probably at everyone else too. It wasn't fake or force. He simply sang in a way that invited others to join him. Now, and then he, 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 he quotes the, the, the song at that moment they were singing, which was part of Before the Throne of God Above. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there who made an end to all my sin. So he's like, this guy, Jeremy, is like preaching to me through the words of the song. Yeah. You can't do that online. You can't get the, the, the encouraging one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs from anybody other than the people who are on stage. Right. Which are only like, depending and, on your congregation, like one or two percent of the people in your congregation are on the stage. And not hearing them, like, so, you, he, so maybe not, I don't know, from this case, but I know when I'm singing around people, I can pick out brothers and sisters who are not on stage. Yeah. We don't, I mean, at our church, we don't turn the music up so loud that we can't hear the people around us. Right. right. So you hear, oh, I can hear this person behind me. What's really hard for me is sometimes I'm worshiping, and the person directly behind me, where I normally sit, is a woman who is having a multiple bout with cancer. Yeah. And when you hear, like, her belting out, it is well with yeah. my soul, yeah. you're yeah. like, whoa, that is really wrecking me yeah. right now. Yeah. Like, she's singing this, or someone else over here. So I think what you, I, we don't know if he could hear them, but not just see. For me, anyway, I really resonate with that. Yeah, absolutely. I think that it gets at John 4, too, like worshiping in spirit and truth. We talk about truth, rightly so, objectively, like like worshiping God in light of who he is, how he's revealed himself in Scripture. And I think that's the sense of it. But there's also a sense of subjective truth, worshiping in authenticity. And you can't get that without seeing your brother, who you know actually legitimately struggles Right. To, to, to say, you give and take away, but blessed be your name. Yeah, yeah. Or they're in the room. Yeah. Just the yes, fact so, yeah. Like, I haven't seen you in a while. Yeah. Now you're in the room and something's going on in your life because God's obviously drawn you back to gather with us. And yeah. That's a powerful thing. I don't want to derail us. <laughs> yes, you do. The last time Mark was here, you opened up a can. I did. <laughs> Mar- I, don't I wanna... bring up Moravians in worship. <laughs> I want to open up a can. Okay. There's a lot of controversy out there. I want to know your opinion, Mark. On the type of songs that we sing. Oh my goodness. I've heard some things of like, we can't maybe sing songs in church, or it's wrong to sing songs in church from, from Bethel, okay. or from Elevation, you, or, or maybe songs. <laughs> I'm just saying there. that we've heard on Caleb. It's because he wrote that post. Yeah. I know, yeah. you saw what he said. Yeah. Just, yeah. What do you think, man? Yeah. Does, does I, it hold, matter? On, hold on. Just to frame it, can we just, I want to unpack. I want to break into two questions. Yeah. Let's start first with, forget the individual bands. Yeah. Because you said, like, songs like On Kill. Sure. Okay, so we have, I'm not saying contemporary or formal, but what, do you have a distinction in your mind between songs that are worship and songs that are about Christian topics that aren't worship? Do you draw Absolutely, yeah, 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 yeah. And I tell people this all the time. I'm like, hey, how come we don't sing this song in church? And I'll give them the reason, and it's different depending on the song. But I say, like, one of the things we've lost in the church is the idea of a devotional song. Right. So, okay. like the Wesleys, like they wrote like hundreds if, or thousands of hymns. A vast majority of their hymns were never meant to be sung in church. They were meant to be a gift to someone to sing at home. Right. And I think, I think, like things like Spotify have given us the ability to pull that stuff up without having to go right. buy the album. 
to be able to listen to that song and devotionally. I mean, use it at home by all means. Right. To, to Brian's point, I'm not saying that necessarily the songs coming out of all these places are totally wrong. I just feel like there was some shift in my childhood where songs on Sunday morning that were sung in church went from being about God and started becoming about me and, and my relationship. I think that's God. true. Yeah. Which that yeah. wasn't a bad move in terms of the contemporary. But that's actually been a pattern throughout church history. We've seen this ebb and flow of subject versus object. So, like, you know, songs about God and then songs to God. Um, it's kind of funny. Like, the Wesleys talk about this tr- a lot, and they were doing this in the 18th century. So, like, this isn't a new idea. Right. Jesus, lo- the, the lover of my soul, was written in, like, 1780-something. So, like, uh, you know, that's not necessarily a new idea. But I think we gotta, it's, a, it's, a, it's a moderation we've got to keep. We've got to gotcha. keep that subjective, Balance. that transcendent, um, eminent sort of, or the, yeah, transcendent, like God is above us, but God is also with us. we got to keep those balances going the whole time. Okay, second part of that question, the more spicy part. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to go to the, I'm going to go back to the Nine Marks book and the thing you just read. There's something when I see my brother and I know his circumstances and I know his life singing and I'm joining him in that. And I gave an example of someone with cancer saying it as well. Yeah. You gave an example of saying, you know, this issue. What if the example is that person singing doesn't believe in the Trinity, and I'm going back to like my childhood yeah, with some yeah. people that were oneness Pentecostals or something, right. or that person singing actually has a, a horrible sinfall, yeah. and they're leading us in these songs. Yeah. Okay, I'm not trying to, what I'm trying to do, if you notice, is try not to say the names of bands right. that have yeah. issues. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we have the principle. What do we yeah. do when that's the case? Because can that be distracted? The words might be correct. But knowing the story might actually take me to a different place. What well, do you and, think about and that? And I think that's one of the things. And I, I, we talked. We talked about this a lot the other day. I posted about this on Facebook. I shared a post and critiqued it. But like one of the things that I think it's helpful for us to remember is that we've got to be teaching our people not to hold up anybody on this pedestal. Not just worship leaders and bands, but theologians and preachers. Right, so we had this celebrity culture that we built up that says we have to follow this person or this whole ministry. So, like we do, if we sing a song from a particular resource, that doesn't mean that we need to start as a church just wholesale, like saying everything they do is yeah. good because right. ultimately, so, take it all. Yeah, we have a hymn from somebody from the 1700s, but that person owned a slave. We better just not even sing it's, the like, hymn. It's, right. exactly, it's cancel culture. That's exactly, it's like, in my estimation, that's what it is. Which is why. I encourage, and I'm trying to, I'm constantly trying to figure out ways to, to help our people see, like, I, by law, have to, at the end of the lyric slides, has to say, copyright so-and-so, this people published it, these people wrote it, so, like, I have to post, I wish I didn't, because then the people wouldn't, they wouldn't even know, they wouldn't have from. to go look it up, but, so, like, we need to coach people not to just assume, like, the way that they do about the local church, like, they should be able to swallow everything we put out in trust. But that should be one of the, if not the only place where they do that. Right. Everything else we need to we need to hold suspectly. And so I wonder what's there. Hey, getting back to the book, um, how? Because we haven't read the book. Does he, does the framework here by Matt Merker does it help us think through worship in these ways? I think so. Yeah. Um, and I would commend you, like if you if you have the book and you and you're like I can't read the whole thing. How am I going to skim this? He, the format is excellent. So, like, I'll give you an example. On I'm page gonna, 52 I'm, and 53. I'm going to read the whole book. I am going to do it. Well, I, I recommend you read the whole <laughs> okay, book. Okay, on page 52 but and 53. Like, so. there's all, in almost every chapter, he has this bullet list, and they're, they're set off to the side. And those bullet lists in every chapter are worth the price of the book, in my opinion. Nice. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, my, but my, my favorite one happens to be on 52 and 53. 
um, where he talks about um, the, I, the concept of the local church and the importance that we have to put on that and the effect that it has on our worship. So he says, like, there's four, three points here. He says, strong theology of assembly combats formalistic worship. worship. Since the gathering is a supernatural event in view of the watching cosmos, Ephesians 3.10, does it make sense to simply go through the motions out of a sense of duty or tradition? Uh, the second one, a strong theology of assembly combats individualistic worship. Yeah, like Service that. is a gathering of those who have committed to help one another endure to the end. I love that line. And then lastly, a strong theology of assembly combats consumer-oriented worship, which is just another issue we constantly deal with. So he does that in almost every, if not every chapter, almost every chapter. And those are really helpful. That is helpful. I like that. So, hey, I, go ahead. No, I just have a question. You know, not every church has a huge worship team and stuff. You know, we're kind of a smaller church. We've talked about the type of songs we sing. My question is this, though. Like, right now, we don't have our worship leader. Like, our worship leader is in India adopting a child. Woohoo! Um... Easter Sunday's coming up. I don't have a lot of people. Would you pay to have somebody be on stage so you can fill Dude, some spots and make it sound good? why are you opening this can? I thought we were talking about Nine Mark. You're opening just, all the controversies. It's well, my turn. What's interesting about Matt's what particular about context he was writing from it, from for this book, from Capitol Hill Baptist Church, is that they all of their worship leaders are volunteers. Yeah. Oh, interesting. So, like, Matt, I think among the elders, maybe he might have shouldered a lot more of the worship role. But he wasn't like the worship leader. He was just an elder. And so like every week you'd go and it's a different group of people on stage. It's like mind-numbingly simple for a church of a thousand. They've got a piano player, a guitar, like acoustic guitar player, and like three or four singers. And that's it every week. And, they just, they and that's what they do. And it's really simple. I mean, it's not my preferred style, but it works really well. And the reason I say it works really well is because you can barely hear the instruments because the people are singing so loudly. So then it is right. that corporate and worship. And that's the point. And okay. that was what I was so encouraged from your, from being here with worshiping with you guys, is because we'd start a song, and we had a very small group, piano, guitar, and a and bass. Me, and, a bass. Yeah. and like the singing from just you know 50 or 70 people were here on yeah. Sunday was so loud. Because I look around and there's nobody standing there with their arms folded. Everybody's singing, and that's that's the idea. I do love my church for that. You know what else I love is when they burst out into celebration at some of the key lines. Oh, and the classic. Like, like, woo, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Christ raised, woo. Like, yeah. Our church is pretty cool. Though. Yeah, I, I, that's the goal. It is in my simple opinion. though, and I think that you know that's a good, you know. So like the goal is to get people to get people singing, yeah. not enjoying it, not being oh that was good music. But, like, engaged. I participated. Yeah. Okay, back to the book, because we only have two minutes left. Uh, back to the book. Ultimately, we said, who is a church for? You think the, the person who would, a church member. You think it's good I for think a church so. member? I think so, yeah, absolutely. And then uh, what did Matt Merker maybe could, could have done better? Where did he miss it? There was only one place where I might have taken exception. Is this that giant Yeah, it's this giant look. I saw the note in your book there. Yeah. Like, what in the um, world? Oh, no, i gotta, I got to find I'm it. I'm flipping through the pages. Is it right at the end? I saw that on your notes. He had, yeah, so, Is it 146? No, page 80. No, oh, no, 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 no. Hold on, I was in the wrong one. Uh, page 101. Um, so he starts to talk about the order of worship, which is this fancy word called liturgy. And then so on page 101, he addresses, and I could spend... It, that footnote carries over to page It's a two-page long a footnote. footnote. And the truth is, like, I, I really think it's like he was headed all the way to the point that... So he mentioned this book by James K. A. Smith called Desiring the Kingdom, which is quickly becoming one of my favorite books I've ever read. Um... And I, won't, I could spend a long time talking about this, but just the very short thing is he, 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 he's chosen the book that we are formed by what we do, 
not by what we think. Okay. And so, like, regular practice over time makes us into a certain kind of people. That's basically his premise. And, um, and Matt's a little squirmy about that because... He wants to say we're formed by the word of God, by the by the. He work needs of that night mark thing. Yeah, and so I feel like he might have been a little bit imbalanced on that particular oh, okay. thing. That I think there is value. I think the means by which the spirit works often is through regular practice. Okay. And so and I think that that'd think be one place that I would think he could have worked on that. Uh, yeah, more. yeah, I think so. Well, great. All right. Well, thanks, Mark, for joining us today. I Glad to. hope you can be here again sometime. We got to get you on Zoom, man. We got to get Sean. To. We got to yeah. get your buddy Sean out there on yeah, too. Absolutely, love to. Sean, if you're listening. We got to get you on. In the meantime, Brian and I are going to go out, pick up this book, and read it. Hopefully, you will too. Uh, for more episodes, you can find us on saltybeliever.com. And assuming Brian lets me back on again after today, we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening. Find more information at saltybeliever.com.